Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. For three quarters of a century, from 1765 to 1840, the most widely read and popular form of novel in English was the Gothic novel. One critic and pundit wrote, Of all the various kinds of superstition which have in any age influenced the human mind, none has operated with such power as the Gothic. Even the most enlightened mind. The mind free from all taint of superstition involuntarily acknowledges its power. Here is such a story from that very time. Well, Utor, are you ready? Ready for what? To be dragged down to hell like me, unshriven? Oh, take me. But spare my son. I spare no man in the Delacy family. Never. Never to the last is wiped out and I can rest. At last. Come. Our mystery drama, The Man with the Claret Mark, was especially adapted from the classic story of J.S. Lefanu for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Terry Keene. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly. With Act One. Case number 37, The Strange Feeling. Vince Austin was an ordinary guy. I watched him drive up to the restaurant in a new 1979 Olds Cutler Salon. But today, something was different. As he walked in, he was somehow changed. How are you? Me, I'm as fit as a new derby. What's on your mind? I don't really know. I feel good. So what's wrong with that? Well, I just drove over here, and you won't believe it, but I think I feel good because of my new Cutlass Salon. I looked at Vince. He was serious. Then I had an idea. Excuse me, I need to make a phone call. Instead, I hurried to the parking lot. There it was, the old Cutlass Salon. Inside, plenty of leg and headroom. Outside, Salon was lean and trim, and it had the available diesel V8. I could see it was a car full of good ideas. I rushed back inside. Vince, I'll confess, I didn't make a call, but I know what's happened to you. Yes? You've got that great Olds feeling. It's all because of that new Cutlass Salon. You're right. How can I ever repay you? Well, you could drive me down to your Olds dealer so I could test drive an Olds myself. Discover that great Olds feeling. Take a test drive today. wild and tumbled glen of Capricollin stood a massive and forbidding Anglo-Irish castle. From the time of Henry VIII, it had belonged to a family named de Lacy, once English, but eventually naturalized Irishmen. In the patent from the king which granted the castle were also the rights to a wide territory embracing all three surrounding counties. Two things brought the great and proud family of de Lacy to disaster their part in Irish rebellions against the English, and a dread curse. But let the last of the de Lacy's tell the story for us. I sit here quietly in my cell, 
telling my beads and waiting for death. I look back down the long vista of my life and of my family history. And I see now that it was God's will. And I am to be the last of the De Lacy's. I will never carry my family name into the next century. It will die with me before the 1800s can dawn. Let me tell you why. And I must go back to nearly the beginning of the century to do so. Walk over the castle. Open up in heaven's name, Larry. Who's trying to knock the door from its hinges? Your master, you dim-witted rogue. Sir, sir, Ulter de Desi. Who else, then? Oh, let me in. Or you gone over to the English, too. Oh, sure, forgive me, my lord. I thought you were far off in the east, driving the English through Dublin and into the Irish Sea. Oh, I would I were. But our cause is in defeat, Larry. The back of the rebellion is broken. Unlike all true Irish who raise the colors, I'm running for me life. Oh, should I get the boy dressed to travel? And will you take me with you? Where should it be, my lord? To France again, then? I'll never make France. I've taken a sore wound. Any further travels I make will not be in this world but the next. Oh, no, 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 no. Sure, lean on me, my lord, and I'd get you to the bed and then fetch the doctor. The priest would be more to the matter. I'd fetch him too, sir. Is Brian abed yet? Well, of course, lord. Sure, it's nigh midnight. Where else would a boy in of twelve be but in bed? I hope I don't have to wake him to say goodbye. This was my grandfather, and that boy of twelve was to be my father. I can relate these events only because they were to be told to me and my sister years later by that same manservant, Larry Sullivan, faithful to the De Lacy family for all of his long life. But I remember, oh, I remember so well, the first time Larry told me of my grandfather's death. And I can still feel the chill run down my back. For the old man made it seem so real that ever after I felt as though I had actually been there at the strange and fearful passing away. Fill it up, Larry, boy. Fill up the glass. Oh, yes, Master, I would. But then, let me see to your wound. No, she's plugged well enough and bound fast. Ah, but perhaps I could ease your pain. Let the brandy see to that. And the doctor, if he gets here fast enough. Oh, what about the priest? Oh, he's sent for and warned to come post-haste. Ah, uh, well, he'd better... Oh, oh, we have things to do. In my desk drawer are some keys. Get them. Yes, my lord. Uh, these keys, sir? Yes. And the, se the second one on the ring. The silver inlay. Go to the armoire and open it. Yes, sir. Now, behind the right-hand door, on the shelf, a black Japan box, some 12 inches long. Uh, I, I see it. Bring it. Bring it to me. And with it, the strong box that rests beside it. These are what you wanted. Yes. Put them down on the table beside the bed. Now, listen. Listen to me close. 
For I have much to say and I fear little time. The English will be after me sooner or later. For my part in this rebellion, all my estate shall be forfeit. Uh, but Ireland will rise again. Oh, perhaps. Perhaps, Larry, but not in my lifetime. Now give me the key ring. Here you are, sir. Now this one. This one for the strong box. Here, open it. Those papers there. Are there. They're the title deeds to a small estate in County Clare. Which my son Brian may lay claim to when he's 21. It was his mother's, God rest her soul. And glad I am she is gone. Not to see this sad day. Well, the English cannot touch her holding. But I'm sore afraid in the, in the heat of the moment they might do my son some harm. Uh, not so long as I have breath in my body, your lordship. I know, Larry. Uh, but it's not safe for you here, any of you. I want you after my death to disperse the servants. And I beg you, as you love me, to take my son to safety in France until he's old enough to return to Ireland to claim his rights. But you're not going to die. Oh, suppose I don't. I will need you to help me get away with you. Pegin will come too, eh? Wherever I go, my good woman follows. She's as faithful to both of us as I am to you and to her. Then that is settled. In the strong box is enough gold to keep you safe enough for the next ten years. Now, my lord, will you lay back and rest whilst I see to what's happening with the old priest and the doctor? No, Larry. There is more. The worst and the most important of all. Hand me the little Japan box. There it is, then. You see what's inside of this. A folded paper, very old by the look. And... And a picture like a wee painting of a man full length. They call it a miniature. Well, look well on his face and all of him. Oh, sure, I don't know what, but there's something about him to give a man the horrors. Aye, and any son of the De Lacy family in particular. I know what it is at all. That, that birthmark there by the side of his eye, would you think, maybe? Aye, the man with a claret mark on his face. Remember him well, Larry. And be sure you show my son this man when he is old enough. Prepare him to shun him should he appear. Particularly if he should marry and to guard his children against him. He's taken us all. Oh, but help, Brian. Help him avoid the curse. What curse? The curse of the Delacy's for 200 years. It's all written... Uh, uh, Your Lordship, Master, wh wh what is it? Well, Ultor, are you ready? Ready for what? To be dragged down into hell just like me, unshriven in all my sins, without mercy. Oh, take me, but spare my son. I spare no male issue of the De Lacy name. Never, never more. To all eternity until your family is wiped out and I can rest at last. Come. No. You have no choice. No. No. Uh. Oh, oh, Master. 
Your, your lordship. Oh. oh, the saints defend us. He's, he's dead. With no priest to cleanse his soul. Ah, dear Lord, protect me and his boy Brian and all the heirs to come. And help me to protect them from whatever fiend from hell is looking to claim them. So died my grandfather. Larian Pegin brought away the boy that was to be my father to France. The years wheeled by, and my father came back again to Ireland with Larian Pegin when he was 21 to claim his estate in County Clare. Well, Larry, after looking at the castle, which I hardly remember, this is a porky little place, all right. Oh, no, then, your lordship, is not so bad. After what we've been through in France the last years or so, tis a palace for sure. Oh, well, be Brian. I mean, your lordship. Once I get my broom into the dark corner... Ah, uh, what would I ever have done without the two of you, Pegin and Larry? Why should you dedicate your lives to me? Because we love you, your lordship. No, no, not lordship anymore. Just plain Brian de Lacey, last of the line. The noblest line of them all. You could be right. Uh, what I should do is start to work and restore all our ancient estates. <laughs> it's a little hard to do that since the British hold them all. At least we're back on the sod where we all belong. Uh, but have we enough money to be able to sustain life? Well, now, the exchequer is getting a little low. But we'll be off to farm the land here and get into a little fishing and what I wouldn't call poaching because sure it's Irish land we'd be taking the deer off and one way or t'other we'll not do so bad. Well, what about me? I know nothing of farming or fishing. What'll I be after doing? Acting like what you are, after all. His lordship and a gentleman with us to serve you. Oh, no, I'm of age now. And there's been enough of that. The trouble is, the times have made someone like me a drone. As I see it, there's only one thing for me to do. I can try to marry as well as an impoverished nobleman can. Marry you should, Brian. But let it be for love. The rest will take care of itself. Let us say this one thing for my father. He followed Larry and Pegine's advice. The lady he married, my mother, was the daughter of another Jacobite family who had lost their estates to the British. But I know he did not marry her out of political persuasion. Only because he wanted it. And so did she. From their union, Una, my younger sister, and I, Agnes, were born. And there would have been many more out of love, I know. If a dreadful croup had not taken my beloved mother with little warning. Then, another shadow I knew nothing of had been drawn over his marriage unwillingly by that faithful servant of the de Lacey family, Larry Sullivan. Yes, come. Ah, Larry, what keeps you up so late? Uh, you'll forgive me the liberty, Master de Lacey, if I speak to you frankly. I, uh, I have a heavy duty to perform. I don't understand. Well, this black box will make all clear, sir. Oh, it's a handsome box. Japan lacquered. What does it contain? As to that, my dear beloved boy, you must judge for yourself. Have you ever seen this man? No. I ever hope to. Who is he? To me, 
He's the man with the claret mark on his face. That's all I know of him, except what your father told me. What did my father say? To remember him and to help you avoid any sight of him if he should ever pass your way. I think by instinct I should do that for myself if he crossed my path. Your father also enjoined me to help guard your children should you have any against him to... to avoid the curse. What curse? The curse of the Denises. I believe you would find it hard explained in this old manuscript which is lying in the box. How long have you had this miniature in the box, Larry? Oh, nearly ten years, ever since your father died. And he left it, God rest his soul, to my keeping. And no one else has ever read this since my father, Ultor de Lacy, placed it in your care. No single one. I keep my faith and my promise. The secret lies with you, Brian, my lord. And with all the de Lacy's who've gone before. Heaven defend me. I can only hope I'm helping to spare you the curse. Instead of bringing it down on your head. Who is the man with a claret-colored birthmark on his face? When did he live? How did he die? What does that mysterious black Japan lacquered box contain besides the miniature of the man? And what is the curse that haunted the DeLacy family for over 300 years? I shall return shortly with Act Two. You ready? Ready. I'll say Goodyear. I'll say tires. Uh-oh. What? Well, whenever you say Goodyear, people think tires. Even though Goodyear does service on all kinds of cars. Somebody should tell people about that. Yeah, how? Carrier pigeons. Messy. Well, drop leaflets. Litter. Letters. Listen, why don't we just tell people to go to Goodyear for car service or repair? Goodyear for car service. Fortune cookies. Crummy. Get a front-end alignment and tire rotation for just fifteen eighty-eight for most American cars except front-wheel drive. Prices slightly higher in California. Call your Goodyear service store today. Whatever Brian DeLacy read from the paper in the japanned box, he did not divulge its contents. And the two daughters his wife had given him grew up. Agnes, dark-eyed and dark-haired, grave and sensible, designed for the convent. And Una, with large eyes, long and beautiful golden hair, and the infectious and mischievous laugh, whom her father hoped to mate as nobly as her high blood and splendid spirit seemed to promise. But for that... She needed a dowry, and that led Brian DeLacy to stake everything on a wild gamble in a cause close to his heart. I was 23, and Una was not yet 20 when the rebellion of 45 came. My father, Brian, romantically and daringly casting his lot on the lost cause, was one of the few Irishmen implicated treasonably. With warrants out against him once again, history was repeating itself as he returned in a mad, headlong rush of despair one night, much as his father had 30 years before. Oh, Brian, boy, what is it? Disaster, Larry. The rebellion is crushed. There are warrants out for my arrest and I'll have to flee the country. Do we all go with you? Oh, no, I can't afford to take you. I'll have to work my passage across to leave you all the money I can. But tell me, where are the girls? Inside with Pagin. Will the estate be forfeit then? No doubt. 
I'll leave you every penny I can, but say to the horse, I must ride as soon as I can. Give me only time to bid my fair ones goodbye. There are only so many events in one's life that are burned into the mind, etched so deeply that one can never forget the slightest incident, the most trifling expression of feeling or movement. That day, we had to bid our father what might be goodbye forever, was one of them. But with the help of our beloved Savior, we found a way to rescue something out of the disaster. It was dear old Larry who found the solution. I'm sure the estate will be confiscated, just as my father's was by the English. Where shall we live, Father? If we've no place for our looms or our spinning wheels, how shall we exist? Can we not go to France with you? I would that I could take you with me, children. But we're destitute. My only hope is that with my family connections, a magnanimous king in France will aid my cause. Or if not, provide my daughter with a husband of rank and position who will rescue you all. Not me, Father. <laughs> no. No, my gentle Agnes. I know you are destined for the convent. I speak of Una. I'd rather see my French lover first before I decide on him. As for now, I am more concerned about what will happen to my little Carrie cow. Uh, if, if, if you'd forgive me a word, I have a notion, do you see, of where we might all go until fortune turns its smile on us again. Where, Larry? Where? To Copper Cullen Castle, the ancestral home. But it's no longer ours. The English took it away from my grandfather. Oh, sure, you're right, Lady Una. But the way it is, tis no longer anyone's. What do you mean? Well, remember, if you will, where it stands at the top of that precipitous glen, half buried in the wild forest. Oh, it is inaccessible enough, by truth, which was why it was built. And what saved it from being destroyed. But was it not beautiful? Why would no one want to live there? Because, saving your grace, it is too remote. Now, I've had to range far afield to keep us supplied with food. And, and many's the time I've spent a night at the castle. Admitting that the castle is not in complete ruin, how could you expect to find lodging there? Oh, trust someone from below stairs, my lord. I can think of certain apartments where we could lodge well, and, and more than that, safely through these turbulent times, uh, till your lordship can restore his fortune and position here. In Ireland, I doubt if I can restore my heritage. But in France, at least, I can find some secure future for my daughters. And for such faithful friends as you and Peggy and Larry. Then fly, Father, while you're still safe. And let us handle ourselves. With Larry's help, I'm sure we shall do very well. The one in most danger now is you, Father. Look to yourself first. I am sure we shall fare well at the castle. Look, you. Should anyone surprise us there, we can chase them fast. How? I would say to them right out, Do you know who I am? Who flits through this haunted castle? I am the fairy Una. And my sister is the Lady Greyville. If I am to be part of this, I must be one of the ghosts of the castle, too. And so you shall be. Well, we shall meet again. When I have the power to set us free. My father left for France. And on the heels of his leaving, with Larry organizing it all, we commenced the secret move to the castle. Day by day, week by week, taking what furniture and possessions we might from the cottage in County Clare to the remote and inconspicuous part of that huge, rambling castle 
that was to be our home for all the foreseeable future. And in very truth, as Una had said in jest, in that year that followed, we did become the fairies of the castle. Thanks mainly to an incident that happened shortly after we had taken up our abode. <laughs> oh, Una, what is it, Mavourne? And what are you, why are you crying? I am not crying. I'm laughing at him. He was that funny. Who was? A little boy. He said his name was Sean Mulryan. And he was the only one who didn't escape when the puka appeared. What puka? Me. The queen of the fairies. A banshee. A leprechaun's doxy, or whatever they thought me. Sure, they didn't realize I meant them any more harm than they meant by stealing up here. What were they doing here? But they were up in the glen on a ramble, picking berries. And they must have seen a light streaming from our window. What would boys do but want to explore? I heard one of them whisper, Look, look, it's a puka's tower. I was just coming for milk and the little cheery cow. So for the fun of it, I stepped up on a high rock and let out a wail any banshee would have been proud of. <laughs> they scattered like chickens before a highway coach. <laughs> Only Sean fell down and was dazed a wee. And I was sorry and went to him. You shouldn't have done that. No one must know we're living here. Well, no one will find out from now on, I'll warrant. What do you mean, Una? When I saw the child wasn't really hurt, I put the fear in him so deep he won't return. <laughs> or anyone else from the village. We can hide in peace, knowing that everyone about here considers this castle haunted. From that day forward, no one dared approach the enchanted castle. Whether we were considered half-imagined and half-real or totally unreal, Pegin and Larry, my sister Una and myself, were left alone, avoided like the plague. But as the months passed, no matter how gay she kept her appearance, I could see that Una chafed for more, and I prayed for deliverance from our exile. Poor Una. She little knew how that would come. Larry! Larry! Where are you, man? Oh, what is it at all, Peggy? Go get your gun. When I hustle the young ladies into the hiding place. There's a stranger on horseback coming up the path to the castle. What, what kind of stranger? I don't know. A gentleman by the looks with a long coat bundled against the cold and a wide hat pulled low. Uh, show me where. Here, come by this window by the door. See? Yonder? Coming round the briars? Mm. You, you're not going to shoot him? If I see a certain mark on his face, I'd drop him like a stone. What sort of mark? A claret birthmark. What's got into you, Larry? You can't murder a man in cold blood. This one I can, if it's him at all. You'd only start up trouble for all of us. It's better that we hide. There'd be no hiding from this one. What are you talking about, man? Uh, that's not for you to know. But, oh, besides, <laughs> we have no worries. Okay. Open the door while I put away the gun, Peggy. Yeah. You're going to let this man in? Why not? Now go tell the young ladies their father has come home. What a joyful reunion it was. And the dinner table rang with laughter and relief. For it seemed at last our life was to begin again. And under better circumstances than we could have hoped for. 
Especially for Una. For good as the news was that we were all to leave for France within the month, the best news of all was a special offer my father had brought to her. Uh, it's marvelous to know that we are going. I can't wait to get to Paris and see all the sights. Including the young man whose picture I showed you. Oh, we'll see. Is he really as handsome as the artist has painted him? Oh, in my opinion, more so in person. But I admire him more for his mind, his humor, and of course for his rank and position. Well, he is well to look upon. But has he really, really asked for my hand? Indeed he has. His Majesty the King looks very favorably on the alliance. But we haven't heard from you yet. I... How can he know he would like me? I showed him a miniature of you. And he fell in love immediately. Well, darling, what do you say? Oh, Da. Just that I'm so happy to see you. And know we're all to be safe again. That I can't think of anything else for the moment. Now, there's a good lass. No tears. Even of happiness. It's late and time for bed and sweet dreams for all the Delacy's. For sure, our troubles are over at last. <gasps> what was that? I don't know. It sounded like Pegine. And something that has frighted her half to death. So it appears that the doomed Delacy family's troubles in the midst of this joyous reunion are not yet over. What terrified Larry's wife so much that she screamed aloud? No human agency, surely. Is it possible that Brian's return to his ancestral home has somehow started a ghost from the grave? I shall return shortly with Act Three. Before you start an improvement on your home, you should improve your workshop by adding the tools you'll need to do the job well. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you True Value Hardware Stores offer a complete selection of their exclusive master mechanic tools, like carbide-tipped circular saw blades for cutting wood, plastic, Masonite, and more. Get a 7-inch blade for just $5.95. True Value Hardware Stores also offer a 15-piece Master Mechanic drill bit set with 14 steel bits sized from 1 16th to 1 half inch, plus a center punch in a sturdy case for just $14.95. So before you start an improvement on your home, improve your workshop with quality Master Mechanic tools exclusively from participating True Value Hardware Stores and Home Centers. True in the midst of life, we are in the midst of death, the Book of Common Prayer informs us. Or, if you prefer... Thomas Gray's quote is just as apt. Sorrow never comes too late, and happiness too swiftly flies, which is the lot of all humankind, and especially at this moment of the de Lacy family. What specter rising from the past has temporarily scared poor Pegine Sullivan so out of her wits that she can hardly get the words out to report to all of them what terrified her? Oh, sweet Mary, may she defend me, sir. But was that devil himself. What devil, Peggy? The one with the mark. I saw him by the light of the full moon, plain as plain. Tall and thin and ungainly as a stock. 
with a Spanish cloak about him and faded old red stockings. Everything about him was long. His hair, his arms, his fingers and his droopy nose. And the worst of all, on his sickly white face, a great purplish stain all alongside one eye. A man with a claret mark. Well, how could you know about him? Larry told me. Larry, you didn't keep the faith. It wasn't like that, sir. Indeed, it wasn't. It came out by chance, do you see? Earlier on this evening, just at dusk, when you came back unexpected. Well, I think, Peg, maybe it was just a vision came to you. For certainly Larry and me hunted for him high and low without a sign. It might be that, sir. My old eyes are not what they were. I suppose I'm just a foolish old woman. I'll be away to set my little one's fears at rest. But she won't set our fears at rest, will she, Larry? Oh, I'll wager he's back to claim me. No, no, there's no reason to think that. Oh, every reason. You haven't read the curse. I have. I'm the last of the Lacey line. So perhaps I can buy peace for my daughters. Let him take me if he must. Come. Come, Larry. We must sit down and allow me to give you instructions on exactly what to do in the case of my death. Una and I had been reassured by Father that the strange specter Peg thought she had seen had just been an illusion. So... After we were over our first fright, we had retired to our bedchambers where Una was full of excited prattle about our coming trip to Paris and the man to whom she had been promised. He is most handsome and does such a noble line. And I am sure you will find happiness with him. I feel afraid. Of what? I don't know. Shadows gathering in the corners. That strange man, Peg, spoke. Oh, Peggy is old and superstitious. It's full moon and foolish times. She had an hallucination. So sharp, so clear. That horrible man with the birthmark. Ah, so much of what we dream is remembrance of idle talk. Forget the man with the birthmark. He's only a dream to begin with. <laughs> Some sixth or seventh sense, whether just from within me or passed on to me from the Lord himself, told me that again our family was cursed with disaster. And the only way I knew to prevent it was to go to my father. Agnes, my dear, what is it? Somehow this man who frightened Pegeen has terrified Una. What? But how could she know about him? Do you believe in visions, Doc? No. No, nor in superstitions, I... I don't mean superstition. My beloved father, I have had visions which have called me to the holy order I hope someday to be part of. But those are happy visions which lift and sustain me. Unas are different. How? I... I hesitate to tell you or rather perhaps don't know how to explain. She has become haunted with this vision of the man with the claret mark on his face. And feels drawn to him as if she had a, a, a call. But why? The man is hideous to behold. And he has no claim on any but the male line. I tell you, Agnes. I'm glad that today 
I want to make arrangements for us all to leave Capricullin tomorrow. It was a mistake to return. Did you really think you could escape me? Roderick O'Donnell. That same who has come to collect all the Delacy men folk when the time has struck. By damn, you'll not take me. I'll run you through, your dog. <laughs> no harm can you do me, Brian Delacy. Your family harmed me sound enough those years are gone. And I have had my revenge and will have it till the last of you is gone. Oh, take me if you must, according to the curse, but spare my daughters. The one with you is safe. I could not touch her. And since she is destined for the church, I need not. But the other... Uh, Una. Not my little Una. How can she be part of the curse? She used to be married, and can she not bear a child and start the Delacy line again? No. I'm tired. It is enough. We will end all here. No. You can't. You... Oh! Father, what is it? Larry Pegeen, what keeps you come? Did you see him? See who? The man with the claret mark. There was no one here. Did, did you not see me try to kill him? You drew your sword and as if in a fit lunged at empty air, but... You, you did not see him with his sarcastic leer, his drooping nose, the great purplish stains spread across his face. The man Peg thought she saw... Who is he, Da? Too late to tell. Larry, ask him for the Japan box and... Uh, uh. My beloved father slumped in my arms, lying on the pathway where he had fallen after his strange seizure. By the time Larry and the others had come running in, in answer to my call, the life was gone from his body. As if it had been stolen. Una was inconsolable and took to her bed, mercifully lulled to sleep by some peasant drug of Peggy's. And I was left to face with Larry the truth about the curse on the DeLacy's. The strange history of the circumstances of my grandfather's death and my father's were made more clear. Your grandfather placed this same Japan box in my hands and showed me the full-length miniature it contained. But as to the paper with it, I never could read, so I know not what it contains. Give it to me. Here. Yeah. A.D. 1601, in the month of December, Walter de Lacy of Capricullen made many prisoners at the ford of Abington, Irish and Spanish, among them Roderick O'Donnell, arch-traitor to the cause. Claiming kindred with the de Lacy's, he sued for his life, snuffling and begging and offering great ransom, but was instead put to death on the gallows. But as he mounted the steps thereto, he swore that though he could cause them no evil before his death, he would assuredly after it. 
until he had wiped the name and family of De Lacey from life and hope of life hereafter, taking them all unshriven as he was taken. Look well on this representation of him, all De Lacey's, and avoid him like the blackest plague. Oh, sure. The man is the devil incarnate. It would seem so. But at least his deviltry is done with now. There are no Delacy men left to wreak his revenge. We are not burnt out yet. There is still Una and myself. The house of Delacy is not dead. But you are women. Surely the curse will not work against you. Not me. But Una, someday she could have a son. Oh, and then how can we protect her? Take her away from this fateful castle before it is too late. I'm afraid of the night. I think we should leave here this evening, on foot if necessary, before it is too late. That's Peg, Peg. Where is she? With the, with the Lady Una. Then quickly, let's go. Gosh, then, now, my boy, Where is Una? She's gone, gone. Carried away. By whom? How? Where? Sure, your ladyship, I wouldn't know where at all. Or even how. But it was by that same terrible man I saw on the path just at dusk. But where did he take her? We came up the stairs and no one passed us. By the window there. It's open. The window? We're high in the castle. Outside that window, there's a drop of 50 feet at least. Jean, think, no think. What happened? I was sitting here. By my little Una's bed. And I thought she was sound asleep. Maybe just for a moment I nodded off. But I came awake with a rush when the window blew in. All right, my lady Delacey, you're the last to go. Who are you? The man your family wronged. The man who swore revenge on all your lines. The man who took your father, your grandfather, and all your sires before you. But what do you want of me? I cannot carry on the family name. You can bear children to carry it. I will not go with you. You must, or I will haunt you through all eternity. Where do my father and all my forefathers sleep? In purgatory. And if I go with you... Then all of us confide to the sanctuary of the grave. Then for their sakes, and to atone for my family, take me. And, and through the windows came the man with the mark on his face. He crossed to the bed and lifted my little mistress and carrying her, stepped out the window. And was gone. And you didn't try to stop him. Larry, as God is my witness, I was turned to stone. No matter how I struggled, I couldn't move. And this man, he said nothing. All that I heard was when he turned at the window. And what did he say? He said... Here ends the curse. From now on, all is... That was many years ago. I thank my good Lord. I had the convent to heal the scars in my heart. I have prayed every day for my lost family. 
And I feel sure deep within me that heaven has welcomed them in. But for all my piety, I could say no prayer for the other. I am assured, though I hope I may never see him, that one of the denizens of hell at its deepest level must be the man with the claret mark. Melancholy tale. But then I must remind you once again that if you knock at my door and I open it to greet you, although you are welcome, I cannot always promise my story for you will be of happiness. I weave the fabric of the world with my tales, and the colors must be contrasting to make the fabric interesting. I shall be back shortly. depressed you with this story, please don't relate it to yourself or have any superstitious fear that some dread curse may ever descend on you. That is, if your conscience is completely clear. Remember Proverbs 26, verse 2. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse, causeless, shall not come. Our cast included Terry Keene, Lloyd Batista, E.V. Juster, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. It was his fault. He stepped in front of me. And now they've got a witness. That is all I need. Were you aware of a witness? Yes, yes, I, I suppose. I, I received an impression of... Someone standing there. A man or a woman? It could have been either. I, I think it was a woman. Well, what do you want to do? What do I have to do? Well, a witness. What does the witness have? If the witness had the license plate, then we're in trouble. Paul, why didn't you stop? <sighs> Everyone would have recognized Okay, me. okay, but at least they'd say you're human like everybody else. Well, you had an accident like everybody else. It didn't have to be the end of the world. The violet was in the car with me. Mrs. E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.